welcome to the little guys today we're back with mom rock why don't you guys introduce yourselves and tell us what you do in the band um i'm josh i play guitar and i sing and i write and i cook on occasion uh i'm curtis heimberger um i play the acoustic guitar i write and i uh like to drive the car <laughs> I'm Wilson, and I play the drums, and that's it. <laughs> I am Tara. I play the bass and do backing vocals, and I I make good cinnamon rolls. That's what I've been doing. Yeah. So there's two cooks in the in the band. Does that ever clash? No. Um, I would say Josh and I, I feel like we cooked well together. We made that dinner the other night really well. So, yeah, I feel like there's no such thing as too many cooks in this kitchen. Right. Um, so let's pull to Franco. Let's jump right into it. And uh, we're here to uh, talk about your new EP, I Wish Every Day Was Today. The last time we talked, Curtis and Josh, you said you preferred the idea of releasing songs as a bunch of singles and then putting them in a playlist and saying, this playlist represents our EP. But this time when you released something, it was packaged all together as an EP. Was that an, as, was that an intentional move for you guys? Um, I think when we talked to you the last time, we were at a point where we were still trying to build a fan base that would have the attention span to be able to listen to four songs from us <laughs> in a row, enjoy all of them, save all of them. Um, it was also like a lot about how the Spotify algorithm works and what we can do in terms of like playlist submissions um, and stuff like that. So like we, we felt like we were at a point as a band where people could listen to four songs from us and like we could give them all the attention that they needed like as an artistic expression rather than like just rushing them out. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean like, yeah, they were just in so like, we could have staggered them because they were all finished. Like each single song was finished, finished like at a different point in time. And like, but we just really, really wanted the EP, which is really nice. Uh, and how's it been received so far? Is it been, is it like doing better? Well, no, received. <laughs> people no one, heard it. No one's so far. Definitely a couple people have heard it. At least. No one so far has told us to our faces that they didn't like it. That's true. Yeah. So I've only been told good things to my face. So yeah, exactly. I've been led to believe that it's been received quite well. If it <laughs> yes. wasn't, if it wasn't received well, we haven't heard yet. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, I think everyone should compare themselves to Pitchfork's review of Jet's second album. Do you guys know about this? I do not. What is what is that about? So you know, Pitchfork is known for being like really nitpicky and mean Which album is Jet's second album the bad one um <laughs> i can't remember the name of it it's the yeah, one that came out the first one but uh pitchfork their entire review is a video of a monkey peeing in its own mouth you can look it up uh so if you're doing better than that wow. you're doing good uh, my favorite my favorite pitchfork review has been about the Greta Van Fleet album where he says that it sounds like kids who did weed exactly once. <laughs> That's my favorite one, but I'll look, I'll look this one up. If we ever got that review, if we ever got that review, I would plaster it everywhere. I mean, I would, oh, absolutely. that would be every bio that we but have. 
Yeah, I released a really bad seven track and I was like joking with my friend TJ who helped me record it. I was like, what if we got a bad review from like a Fantano type? I would lose my mind and always talk about it. <laughs> um, I, like, I've always wanted to get a review from Fantano like, and hopefully it's like scathing and he like rips me to shreds. Mm -hmm. like, that way a bunch of white dudes who look like Anthony Fantano. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh no, I was just gonna say, like, it'd be more fun. I'd probably be less excited if it was like a good review. I hope it's like a not good review. Yeah, I would, like, I would, I would like, definitely yeah. rev it if it was like a really bad review. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, then you get a bunch of guys who look and sound like Anthony Fantano now going out into the world talking about you in the same words that he's using. And that's free press. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that's free. You press. get it. You get it. Yeah. yeah. And you'll do better than Neve on uh, Mr. Fantano's channel. Um, so let's stop making fun of people who review music and let's talk about the album um let's go uh start with the first track which is white funky groove um tell me about it uh oh geez i haven't had to talk about these songs yet uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah white funky groove is kind of supposed to be pretty tongue-in-cheek because white people aren't funky um and that was kind of my intention with 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 that title specifically, um, but the song is kind of, uh, I mean, it, you know, you you it, it just basically it's a story of this guy who is in a bar and he sees this person um, and he's like, oh, like so enamored with this person, you know, it's it's not really yeah. a special story, but. And then it's like he wakes up and it's like and he's in a dream and now this guy is obsessed with finding this person again and like is like sleeping all the time and like you know popping melatonin and like constantly needing to take naps so he can like try and get this person back in his head but he can't and that's that's really it i mean that's that's basically it i just wrote it on like just it was one of those random songs that just comes to you and you just write it down and then you're like wow that was weird um right and then it was kind of it was kind of cool and so yeah after i showed everybody it was kind of like this would be super cool as like an opener to our set and uh that's kind of how we present it um in the album especially with all the crowd noise and um the yeah <laughs> yeah it's end sentence i don't think we've ever played that song when it's not the first song in the set we've done yeah. it once and i hated it yeah yeah um, but yeah no if you see us live every single set we'll play like some instrumental intro to like get people like really riled up and then right into white funky groove and it just ramps into the set really quickly right um i think that's a good way to layer it um especially if you're playing live the um the last time we talked, you said you like to try to emulate what it would sound like to see you guys live in the recording session. You know, you said you brought a bunch of people in um, for your, one of your first songs and had them all like run around the studio. Obviously, it's going to be a little bit harder to do that right now. Were you able to do that for some of your songs on the CP or no? Uh, the crowd noise at the beginning of White Funky Groove is actually from a recording or a couple recordings of our live shows. A mic set up in the back of the room so we could listen back to it. And uh, like you're hearing our actual fans at actual shows from like a year or two ago um, build into like what sounds like the normal start of our set. Um, so I thought that was pretty sick. And then other places where we used it in this EP were 
when we were at our producer's house, like finishing the songs, he was he got his roommates in the room, and we would just yell like I think there was what six or seven of us in there. Yeah, about. Um, and just like stack a ton of those to recreate what we normally did with like fifteen twenty people. Awesome. Um, I'm glad you weren't just like, yeah, we got like 20, 30 people, crammed them in the studio again. Uh, it's like, you know, it's called a pandemic, guys, and it's really, there's nothing to it. Herd <laughs> immunity. Um, if that would have happened, I would have had probably my best interview yet. I would have just made fun of you for 45 minutes. Um, <laughs> I can do that anyway. Um, so I am the same would be the next track on your uh, on your EP. That's the only single you dropped before releasing it. What made you pick that one to be the one that was going to represent you guys in this stage of your uh, career? It was, it was ready for uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, pretty much, I think it was probably it would have been either that or xylophone probably, but yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, pretty much the done first thing. <laughs> I mean, yeah, the, yeah, mostly that other one. <laughs> this EP started out as, uh, like, a friend of ours class project. He, The producer for this EP um, asked us to come in and record a song for his class. So we went in and recorded I'm the Same. And then from that, like, we liked the way it was sounding. So we were like, hey, do you want to do the full EP? And he was really into the idea of doing it. Um, but because we recorded that first, like, that was the start of the project. So that was the first thing you guys heard. And uh, you want to shout out your uh, you want to shout out your producer, of course, Sam Gooseman. He goes by Goose. 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 Uh, cool. Um, if he has like a soundtrack, a soundtrack. Oh my god, a SoundCloud or anything. Yeah. You know. I think sound, I'll I'll find his Instagram real quick. Give me yeah, like, does that Insta? Well, yeah, just just send it to me, and we'll put it in the the thing below. Uh, yeah. Or to the side wherever you're listening. Oh, yeah. Um. So moving along, we're going into the afterlife uh is the, is the third track tell me about it who wrote it and uh how do you like it okay so that one was me um it started out as i was like trying trying stuff with like these lyric rhythms that i was working on in the class um and i was watching santa clarita diet <laughs> which i only ended up watching like two episodes of because i really did not enjoy it as much as i thought i would it's for the best um, okay, <laughs> but at the time, I thought the name of the show was Santa Clara Diet, not Santa Clarita Diet, so if you listen to the first line of the song, like, I already fuck it up. Oh, my bad. I already messed it up from there. <laughs> I think we're um, Okay, okay. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, so it started being about Santa, the Santa Clarita Diet thing, um, and, like, burying the bodies in the back with the toothpicks like she eats people. Um, <laughs> Spoiler alert. For the zombie show, I feel like on the cover of the show, she's like, she's, she's like eating fingers or yeah. something. He's like fully like, eating yeah. person. It's not really a spoiler. Yeah, I, I am making fun of you now. I just want to oh, okay, great. Yeah, and then slowly as we, as like I finished writing it, it was when uh, Hannah B's season of The Bachelorette was on, and I had a vendetta against Luke P on the show. So most. it ended up like morphing a little bit into like my ideas about Luke P and then also a little bit of like my thoughts on like uh, a lot of influencers and I think cancel culture was a big like discussion at the time, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Um, 
Can I ask what's your guys' relationship with The Bachelor and The Bachelorette? Because yes. your Twitter is yeah. silent. You... And then The Bachelor comes on or The Bachelorette comes on. <laughs> and it's like niche meme after niche meme. Um, I gotta know, is it, it just, a collective love? We really just appreciate just, you know, it, it's an absurd show, you know, I don't think that um, you know, I, I don't think that we like to take ourselves too seriously and I think that this show is a great outlet for you know kind of that two hours of ridiculousness a week especially mm -hmm. you know distract from everything else going on it's kind of nice just to make fun of like pretty dumb people on television um and it, the, the the bachelor nation community is very active on twitter and we've been uh received pretty well by some of our tweets in the past so yeah, we just we like to keep doing it we don't have very many followers on Twitter, but on, well, right now it's on Tuesday nights. Like, our Twitter goes hard. We get a lot of likes on Tuesday nights. Um, this will be out in two weeks. Uh, I, I don't, I'm not watching The Bachelor, but I'm assuming it's going to still be on yeah. in, in two weeks. Um, yeah, they switched out The Bachelorette from Claire Crawley to Tasha. So, that's a lot going on. Yeah, so, yeah, I can't, I can't believe it either. I'm... I'm shocked. Uh, um, but yeah, so be sure to follow Mom Rock so you can get the uh, your what your live reactions. Yeah, we live tweet it. Yeah, just start live streaming it. Um, yeah, maybe we can do that watch party. Yeah, can we do that like Twitch. I've I've been trying to think of a way to like break into the Twitch universe, like the the webcasting kind of um, worlds. That might be a good way to do it. I mean, people also are just hungry for live music. If you went on Twitch at all and said, hey, I'm going to play music, I think people would come. Because uh, well, how many followers do you guys have on Spotify? Like over a thousand? Oh, it's like 2,000 and something, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So let's say 10% of them come. That's 200 people. And let's say half of them tell two of their friends. So then you get 300 plus people watching your live stream. You do. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You need to get John King in here to do the math. Yeah. Oh my God. How many are we talking about? <laughs> um, I'm, getting, I'm getting heated up. I'm getting heated up. Yeah. <laughs> quick. We got 10 percent of the vote left in here. We got. <laughs> we Biden needs to make 62 percent of the mix of the receipt of the. Sorry. I'm just like in the phone. I've been watching John oh. King for like a hundred hours straight. <laughs> quick, quick note if you're listening. I, I um, this is recorded on the sixth. Uh, Pennsylvania, Georgia, Nevada, Arizona, hanging in the balance of the election, and so that's where we're at in the country. If you're listening, because that's where we're at. <laughs> um, we're we're all doing really great with it. Um, so we're going into the last song now of the EP, which is Xylophone. Yes, it's the one that goes. Why? Why? Why did you choose to close with it? Oh. Well, okay, when when we were listening to the songs in order, like, if you put anything after Xylophone, it just doesn't carry the weight anymore. Like, like the, the, the strength that Xylophone ends with couldn't be followed by anything else on that EP. It's like a freight train just smashes right through, which is, you know, we wanted a strong closer, and, and there that was... There is a train noise. There is, a there is literally a, it's a freight train. It's right. So it's not a Ned's to classify joke then. Um, 
You guys remember no, the? I mean, it could be if you don't take it quite literally. We, we'll leave that up to in the interpretation of, of everyone. That's fine. All the Ned heads will find it. Um, Ned heads. So who wrote I, this I, one? I had like five friends who all dressed up as coconut head this Halloween. It was pretty funny. <laughs> when I grew my hair out, I looked like coconut head for a little bit. Um, I feel like coconut head at the moment. Too. Maybe if it was like a little above the chin. You gotta trim your bangs to have the like. Yeah, that's true. I have to do. Yeah, that. and you really gotta hate yourself too to really sell it. Um, I'm like scared of everything. Yeah. So, uh, who wrote? Who's the writer behind Xylophone? Curtis. Um, I wrote that one. Cool. Um, and uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so, true. Uh, yeah, the story behind that one is um. So I was in a, uh, a, 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 a tea station, uh, which is what they call the subway in Boston for anyone who does not know. T stands for train. Um, <laughs> and uh, I sat down next to this guy who was doing something. Uh, he was just concocting this drink with powder and I don't know, it's stuff, just different stuff into a big Gatorade bottle. You found an alchemist on the train? Yeah, yeah, and I just kind of was like, this is interesting, so I sat next to him, and um, he looked at me, and he saw I had my guitar with me, and he said, hey, play me a song, I'm sad, and I was like, uh, you know, I would, but I don't know, you know, this is my electric guitar, like, it's not really going to make any noise, you know, making making my excuses, and um, <clears throat> he's like, oh, okay, I gotcha, and then he just said, I used to play the xylophone, and... That was super interesting, and we kind of talked about that for a bit, and then I, my train came, and I said, I hope you feel better, and then I left, and then I was on the train, and I was like, my god, I need to write a song about this, this is just too, too weird to uh, not document, so yeah, I wrote a song about it, and um, there you go, there's Xylophone, um, and yeah, there is a music video that will come out quite soon um do you have the date when we hit twenty thousand streams on the ep on spotify the music video is coming out that's hold it hostage yeah. yeah yeah when you hit when we hit twenty thousand streams on this episode they'll drop the uh the music video all 25 of you this is your moment um i think that's a, a good spot to take a break and uh, do you guys want to introduce your song, like Bad Radio Host? Absolutely. This you is, are uh, listening to WKXP 94.3 Mom Rock Xylophone. Play 
was picturesque I used to play the xylophone I just sit on the train track Bit up on the train to go Welcome back. Uh, during the break, they listened to the track Xylophone, and we talked about the eventuality of you guys no longer being college students and having to, you know, come to the eventuality of, oh my god, we probably have to live close together if we want to do things like touring and recording, you know, simultaneously. Have you thought about that in depth, or is it one of those things where you'll figure it out when you get there? We are planning to talk about it, like, this next week. We're going to have a, a big sit-down discussion. Mm -hmm. There's some cities that are at, like, the top of our list of, like, potential places to go. It's just, like, there's so many pros and cons of every single one of them, and, like, which one would be best suited for us, and we can't really, like, go test them out because we can't go play shows and stuff there right now. So it's kind of a shot in the dark almost. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we, like, haven't really... I feel like we've all had our own, like, internal feelings about, like, what we want to do, but we have yet to, like, really figure out what the plan is as a band, like, what the best route is that works the best for all of us, so... I mean, it's just, like, the same quandary that every, like, college student or, like, whatever point you are in your life, and you have to, like, figure out, you know, what is next and forever... And but, now we have to do it yeah, for like four we have, people. Yeah, we have four <laughs> people at the same time, and, like, during the time when we can't do what we want to do. So, like, it's, like, hard to be like, oh, we're going to play all these shows and it'll be fun when, like, now we're, we can't play shows for a while. For um, well, like, why? I, it, not, not that I support this idea, but why not just pick a city on the map and go there and be like, you know what? Fuck it. Austin, Texas sounds cool. And then you just go to Austin or I, Williamsburg. I yeah, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> Take that and use that, and we should and go Austin, to Austin, right? Texas. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's really funny that you said Austin, Texas specifically, because Wilson is like all for moving to Austin. He's from there, like knows a bunch of people. Um, and Austin's not a bad city to choose at all. It's the discussion is based around like what what cities do we have avid fans in? Who's listening to us on Spotify? Where are they? And then where's the industry folk that we need to take us to the next level going to be able to find us the easiest? Well, also money, right? Because like yeah. if I want, like I love doing my show and of course I want to make money from doing my show. Um, so I should probably be bleep. I should probably be where more people are doing podcasts, LA, Austin, um, New York even. But I also have to find a job in these really expensive areas. Austin is getting more and more expensive to live in every day because all the film people are moving there. Um, are you scared of that? Because personally, I'm terrified. I'm living outside of Atlanta, just hoping somebody, some rich person picks up my show for me and it'll just work out. Yeah. Yeah. Cost of living is a huge factor. Mm -hmm. uh, like, I think none of us are particularly like in love with, we've spent some time mm -hmm. in New York, like doing, doing a music video and stuff. And, like, it would be great to be able to live there, but it's so expensive. Like, just wouldn't be feasible yet. Yeah. Um, there's, there's, 
there's also the point about you know oversaturation of existing markets so you know we could move to new york la you know the the big music places but we have to think like okay we're going to be very small fish in a very big pond if we do that is that what we want as mm-hmm. opposed to you know like an, an austin maybe or like a chicago or you know even even nashville it's a music city but it's like we're not a country band we could be a country band if we wanted to i'm kind of into that idea but um yeehaw <laughs> um but yeah so we can we can definitely be bigger fish in a slightly smaller pond that way you know so in terms of um you know weighing cost of living versus how much work could we possibly get to even that out so um lots of economic thinking going on here and also oh, i'm sorry oh sorry no go oh, ahead sorry. if you guys are listening to this podcast and you have ideas of where we should be <laughs> message us truth yeah yeah do that yeah please throw throw a dart onto a map and tell us that we're moving to cheyenne wyoming because i would love that so you guys are going to brazil right that's the Come that's the meme i think yeah. um, a lot of fans. i've been working on my portuguese there's potential in Idaho. I'm saying it right now. Boise. Um, but not not to cast out, but have you guys thought about like, well, what if what if success is coincidental, right? And you you hedge your bets, you move to Idaho, and then nobody gives a shit. Not that I'm trying to put you down, but like, have you thought about that? Of course. I mean, yes. all we think about all day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> On our minds all the time, but I think what's really helpful at the moment for us is the the idea that we're not like we're in a in a modern world that's connected through the internet, where like our Spotify fans aren't all in Boston, even though like we've played ninety percent of our shows in the city of Boston. That's where all of our live fans are um, at the moment. Uh, we have a huge market of people that are already like fans of what we do that we just haven't had the chance to connect with yet so there are places we just have to go find them right i mean my feeling on it definitely is more so in the camp of like like the success is like circumstantial but like not so much anymore about like where you are um like i think we were really lucky to have been in boston like been in a scene where like we were able to play a lot and like it was fun and like we felt supported and also like we had this online success with Spotify and whatever else. But like, I don't like, I don't know that it's like, it really ever comes down to like where you're located to find that amount of success. I think it, I think like it can be found anywhere and like, there's no way to like game where that success is going to be or where it's going to come from. Um, yeah. Anywhere like, you yeah, go, like, there's going to be a certain amount of coincidental. Yeah. And it's just a matter of like taking it. Like, I think we've just been very lucky and like, uh, you know, we've done a good job of taking advantage of like the scene that we have here, and also like the the ways that we found success on like Spotify uh, and wherever yeah. else. So like, I think it's like it, especially today. It's so like internet driven. Like, it doesn't mm-hmm. really matter where the fuck we are. Like, yeah, we put music on the internet, people can get it. Right. Um, well, that that brings up another question that other artists have talked about on the show before do you have to tour anymore? Like, I know you guys enjoy doing it, but realistically, do you feel like it in a normal world, would you have to tour to do well to gain an audience to sell t-shirts? Yeah, 100%. No. It's not about building, like, the touring as much as, yes, we will connect with people, and that's our favorite way to do it. 
like selling merch is the number one way that artists make a living. So if you're listening to this and you're like, how can I support my favorite band right now? Go buy their t-shirts. Like I, someone did the math somewhere of like how many streams buying one t-shirt is worth to the artist. And like, it's insane. It's in like the, the upwards of like a hundred thousand streams. So yeah, we need to do it to be able to support ourselves with the band. But in terms of like growing a fan base, it is possible to do it without, but I don't know if we would want to do it without. Yeah, yeah I think it's like just, just look at Steely Dan. <laughs> yeah. Don't. Uh, yeah, I mean, what do you, what do you mean? Dan, oh well, Steel. Okay, so Steely Dan. Um, after they recorded, <laughs> recorded their third album, Pretzel Logic, they decided that they just wanted to dedicate all of their time to um, retire from touring and to create these sonic masterpieces known as their next four albums, um, and just focus on like studio quality. So. You know, the, it's it's all about trade-off. It's all about, like, allocating ourselves. Do we want to dedicate a lot of time to creating a really stellar live show and, like, trying to cover as much ground as we can? Or do we want to, like, work, you know, for months and months and create, like, this one earworm song that's going to be, like, just this, this smash hit and then, like, everyone flocks to our Spotify and we, like, blow up on TikTok and we become famous, like... You know that might not be super sustainable down the road but it might get us you know that large boost initially so it's i think it's about playing kind of like a long game versus you know not it's not a shortcut because it's still a lot of hard work but you know we're trying to be smart about how we allocate ourselves in the future so do we want to be steely dan do we not want to be steely dan i kind right. of love steely dan i love steely dan but um. I also, I, Steely Dan played a show, like, last year. Yes, I was in attendance. Well, so, well, so, yeah, Steely Dan, when um, they played at oh. Orpheum. Oh, they left. Oh, my God. Now we're stuck talking about Steely Dan with me. Yeah, we me. got it, yeah. Welcome to hell, because... Welcome to Tara and Josh hour. <laughs> oh, we're back. <laughs> oh, my God. You can cut, like, all of that out. I would literally rant about Steely Dan. I would have my own Steely Dan podcast if I could. Uh, well, first of all, if you want to make a podcast, make a podcast. And second of all, I I, I care more about the people behind the art than the art. Um, That's okay. Yeah. So Steely Dan is mm-hmm. one of your main influences. I wouldn't say I I love them. I don't know if they quite influence my playing because they're very. Can you hear um, us. Yeah. Yeah, we can hear you. Um, you know, they're they're like very much like the the yacht rock jazz rock dad rock if you will and we are very much mom rock so i don't know how much of that music actually seeps into our playing um and they're gone again yeah um, well there's a big 80s and 90s influence in your guys' sound no we i think that we channel across many decades i feel like you know we have that like 80s power pop earworm mm-hmm. kind of thing but then you know a little bit of hootie and the blowfish as well, just sprinkled in. <laughs> just a little, a little hootie. All I want to be with you. But yeah, um, yeah, we have like the '90s alt rock thing going on. We have '80s power pop. We have some like, I hear, I hear some '50s doo wop. I hear some surf rock. Like, I yeah. I we we have quite a few and then we have like the you know 2000s garage slash college rock thing going on with our just overall vibe so you know we are i think there's something in mom rock for everyone i think that everyone can find 
at least like a little piece of right but every band says that i want to say that everyone can listen to my podcast but um they can't do you do you think there are people out there that like let's say if as a far off example mm-hmm. the same clown posse fans you're not going to pull ice you're not going to pull the, the the juggalos um is there a way for you Juggalos to show are actually a very welcoming community yes You'll they're great like, we do how, love juggalos, but they are, yes. i am going to make fun of them because they listen to the insane clown posse but we do love them of course yes um they're great there's other people there's other groups of people to be mad at but what i'm saying mm-hmm. is you could try to make universal music you could make songs that don't that don't exclude people their taste and stuff but would you want to do that like you could yeah, make okay, so stadium my, country music one of my favorite things that i've heard from like visiting artists at, at school and stuff came from like uh benjamin groff who runs like a publishing house um and he said like the most successful artists that he he's worked with or that he sees are the ones who started in like somewhat of a, a corner like niche um that was like really small and then as their fan base grew it pushed what they did to the center so like our look is pretty niche at the moment like the the way that we run a live show is pretty niche at the moment but it'll push center slowly as we get a little bigger <clears throat> uh so you're saying it's good to say these are the people that like us those are the people that don't let's focus on the sound that already has an audience I think it's, you know, it's more about, I think just it is doing something different and it's trying to be original, you know, because there's a lot of unoriginality in, in a lot of musicians that hard to be original. I've heard and it's so hard to be original, you know, it's like, you can't really knock them because so much has already been done, but you know, I like so many, so many eras, like even like the new way of music era, when that first started happening, it was so weird and people were horrified by it you know people were just like oh this is kind of weird and these guys are all nerdy and they kind of suck and they're not even really good at their instrument and then that slowly kind of came to the forefront and like josh was saying it just like you have a niche and people look at it and they get disgusted but then it just grows and then they kind of just want to be a part of something and and there's only like there's only one group of people that like is uniquely Josh Curtis, Tara and Wilson. And like, if like we like the truest you can be to like that expression of like the art that you're putting out and the music you're putting out, like if you just make that the best possible, like I feel like that's what people tend to look for in their music. Cause like, you're not going to appease everybody's taste cause people just like different genres, but, but like, if like if you do develop this like unique sound and like it is a unique thing and like it's it's different than like copying other music or like you know not saying that like we're completely innocent of copying music from people but like Mm -hmm. but like anyways i don't know like i just feel like if you're genuine and like you make good music and like it's gonna be unique and there's gonna be people who enjoy it and like Mm-hmm. like you can't like game again like how people are going to react to it but it's also a little bit about the idea of one hugely passionate active fan is going to be way more valuable to us than 10 passive fans like yeah, if, if sure. 10 people put on our song and they're like yeah that wasn't bad that's all right but versus one person that listens to it and they're like holy shit that's the best thing i've heard all week i'm going to add it to every single playlist i'm going to go follow them on every social media and buy all their merch 
that's going to do way more for us than 10 people that are like, yeah, that was an all right song. Yeah. Um, and I, not to, I want to be clear. I wasn't trying to say that you guys aren't allowed to say there's stuff in it for a white audience in your music. I want to be clear. I'm not like, yeah, you're being, a, you're being a good interviewer. <laughs> um, um, I'm like, questions we want the really thought-provoking tough ones <laughs> but uh you guys have been able to affect uh amounts of change with your fan base you uh did a donations raffle for one of your jackets for uh beirut relief uh, i believe in september you guys did that is that right um something like it, that yeah it, it wasn't humbling to be able to do that to be able to say I have a platform or we have a platform and we can affect positive change because of it. Or was it just something you guys were like, we have to do this because we have people looking at us. I would say it's a little bit of both, but it was really cool to see like people that we don't know or haven't interacted with in literally years. Like I had teachers from high school that I didn't know knew who mom rock was sending us like stupid amounts of money to send it to, to a fundraiser just because they believed in what we were doing. That was really cool to me. Yeah. Yeah, it was definitely something that exceeded my expectations for it. Like definitely I think part of it was we had had conversations about like, all right, like what how can we like do something positive beyond just like making a post that like, oh, these are all the good things we're supposed to say. Um and like I don't know, like just like the the fact that people actually did send money, like we made way more money raffling one jacket than we have selling any item of merch. Like so like it was cool. It was like it, it made me feel like it is valuable to like do that in the future. And like, mm -hmm. yeah. To be clear, we didn't make money. We sent all of it. But yeah. Yeah. Yes. Not, not saying, <laughs> yeah. but like, we we got a lot more money for charity than we ever got for ourselves from selling shirts. Mm -hmm. And and I hope you, not to say never sell the jacket, but I hope you wait a long time, uh, to do so. Whoever has that jacket, uh, whoever they may be. Um, that exclusivity breeds more interest the next time you do something similar. If you decide to to do this again for like the NAACP or a local bail fund, um, more people will come the next time and so on. Um, yeah, and it's, it's good to see bands doing that is the roundabout thing of what I'm saying. Um, are you guys worried about and this is a this is a worry that i have um so today all day today i've been going on reddit and trying to plug my album so people will listen to it and reddit's just been flagging the post to self promo and deleting it um and so it's like oh my god i'm just shouting into the vacuum of space does that ever like catch up to you guys and, and worry you at all or is it just a, a part of the job kind of worries us since we're in boston and we sometimes feel, at least I do, that like, oh, like all my friends know about our band and, you know, especially like my own personal project is just like, yeah, my friends know about it and I post about it, but what am I getting outside of these people who I know, you know? Mm -hmm. um, I think Mom Rock is definitely a different situation though. I think we've been managed to reach a lot of people, but I think that the whole moving to another place setting up camp for a bit after we graduate is part of that expansion the I takeover think, i think there's a little bit of like takeover. 
a backwards idea of people trying to get into music and create like a career for themselves in music where they're like, all right, I made one thing. I have to go market the shit out of this. And yeah, you do need to market like stuff like crazy. But if you're starting with a genuinely good product, like an undeniably good product mm -hmm. that you believe in yourself and you get it to the right people, like right away, you're good. Like, um, the, the number of fans, like we, we made TikTok like a week ago, right? We made our first TikTok and posted it and like overnight people were into us on there. Like we gained more followers on TikTok in one day than we've ever gotten on Instagram. And like, it was just because we had a, a unique look and related to what they were doing and had good songs to back it up. Um, so yeah, to an, to an extent, we're shouting into the void a little bit and I'm worried about it. But like, if you have a good product, I don't think you need to be worried. Yeah, but what is a good product, right? Because if you're proud of it, you can say that it's good, but I can come along and give you the Pitchfork review to Jet's second album to be a little <laughs> I, mean, Honestly, I, I also I, read the, the review to their first album and it was, you know, it wasn't a monkey pissing into a bucket, but it was also just not good. It was like some kind of like narrative of like, oh, see those guys over there? They're a shitty band. They're called Jet. It also wasn't good. Yeah, <laughs> um, I, mean, I would say, I would say it's totally subjective and like yeah. the only way to judge. No, of course it is. Like, Absolutely. Is like, I'm, it's, it's something I'm proud of and something I want to put out. And also I'll say that I like the album Shaka Rock, so... So <laughs> Get Born is definitely a better album, but Shocker Rock is a good album. The album he liked so much, he didn't know the name of it at the beginning. Um, I'm oh, just, I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> Man, you're, you're misconstruing my words. Actually, this is turning into a fake news interview. But I didn't know, I didn't know. Big pitchfork music review. I would also argue that. Like I would have been more upset if the pissing in the mouth was for Get Born. I would have been, I would have been more upset. I may have left the. <laughs> I got like a three seven, honestly. I would, I would argue um, that as much as like, yeah, Pitchfork gave it a bad review. We're still talking about it. It did its job. Yeah, but we're not talking about the album, right? Talking about the review. We're talking about yeah, but how many people are gonna, how many people are gonna listen to like or look at that review and be like, wow, I wonder what was so bad about it that. Pitchfork wrote that review and then go pull it up. Right. Well, that you bring up an interesting are also not a Pitchfork bet. Like, I do, you know, I like our music and it's been generally well received, but I don't think that some like tweed jacket music critic is going to sit back and be like, oh, well, this doesn't have this specific dynamic contract. Like, I don't think that we are that kind of band. And I think that there are a lot of successful artists who are not those kinds of artists. I don't think that it's possible to, you know, please everyone, especially in the the upper right. crust elite, um, you know, of- Those of, fucking guys at Pitchfork. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, I sitting, think, they're sitting I in think. a warehouse somewhere and they're like, let's see, these are four college kids from Boston, Mass. And hmm, I think they suck. Two two, you know, it's like I don't know. I think that we, I think that we have done a great job of allocating ourselves to people who do see the value in us, and that's what it's about. It's about you know what Josh was saying before about like quantity of fans over or quality of fans over quantity of fans, and you know we're we're locking down audiences that we know will be more receptive, and will you know create that ripple effect. So no, I don't think that we have to like pander to big music review big music, right. um, big music. 
I think it's I think it's a double edged sword because we did make jokes at the beginning about how like everybody wishes they get a bad review. A, a, a joke I've done in almost every episode of my show is I really hope someone writes a negative article about me. I say a political hot take or something, and then somebody at Wall Street Journal just gets really upset about it. You know, um, I don't I don't want to speak for you guys, but personally, I could give a shit about what these people say, but also I would really love to hear what they have to say about me. Yeah. Um, do you feel a similar way? Oh, absolutely. Like, yeah. I think, I think we, we see the human in, humor in it ourselves. Like we don't, we don't take ourselves seriously enough to the point where it would upset us. Like that's a marketing opportunity. Like if we could say mm-hmm. someone from, someone from Rolling Stone magazine called our EP a steaming pile of dog shit, like I'm telling you, it'd be in every bio we ever put out. <laughs> you put on the cover. That's what I was gonna say. Is like the most characteristic review of Mom Rock Hospital would be like a really shitty one that like we would mm-hmm. talk about all the time. Like if we got like an eight out of ten from Pitchfork, like we'd probably like, like post our story or something. But like if we got like a monkey, oh, come on. A, like a, a monkey, a monkey pissing in the mouth from Pitchfork, <laughs> like we'd probably fucking put it on a t-shirt and try. Good tattoo on your shoulder. Yeah, um, yeah I. <laughs> I, I and I'm glad you guys have this self awareness to be able to say like yeah some of what we're doing is funny, um, because if you were to come on here and you were to say we are artists first we are helping the world we are crafting a, a better future whatever 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 I that would be really facetious right and then I would just be talking to four assholes uh, so I'm glad that you guys can see <laughs> like it's like it's okay to have fun with it to understand what you're doing is worth making fun of you don't want to be like uh what's her name Florence foster jenkins Florence florence foster jenkins and have everybody making fun of you and you just really love the fact that people are looking at you at all yeah, yeah. That, I mean, that's like, a I, sad story i forgot about that story but yeah, yeah and like I, you know I, I think that you know ultimately like we are doing this because we love to do it and we love that we can make other people you know just feel good feel happy have a good time and you know if we can leverage our platform to do good in the world like yeah we're gonna do it there's no question about that but you know to to place any kind of excess importance on oneself is going to be the downfall of oneself because honestly we think that we're way more important than the world thinks we are um i think that goes for every single person on this planet that's that Um, character syndrome yeah yeah so you know we we just want to you know, maintain that, that sense, and, like, you know, we're all, we're all kids, like, you know, it's, it's not that serious yet, you know. Right, it's, you're not um, steely dead. We, we, we shouldn't make it something that it's not yet. Yeah, um, so we're coming up on an hour. Okay. Uh, I, I think it's time to, to start wrapping up. Uh, a question I'd like to ask everyone, uh, except for Curtis and Josh this time, because they've already answered this question. Um, I've got separate questions for you guys. Um, if you could go back in time and talk to yourself when you first started making music, what would you tell yourself? Uh, I'll start because I just stopped, read this in a book <laughs> the other day, and it would be, be kind to yourself. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, I'm reading Effortless Mastery, which I don't know if either of y'all we talked about this. Kenny Ward, yeah. Yeah, it's a professor at Berkeley wrote a book, but he's like basically talking about how like we learn we learn music, like when we're taught music as a child, we're learned to like only have like anger at ourselves and like we're learned to like 
just like cultivate a lot of negative feelings because like you only remember the bad notes you play and like mm -hmm. like i don't know like especially when it comes to being at a music school or like being in a in a competitive music scene or whatever like it we tend to tie our self-worth to like the output of music we have or like how good we are at an instrument um and it's just like it, it like if you have all that pent-up anxiety about like how worthy you, you are of like being a musician or like how good your music is to other people, then like, it just like keeps you from ever making good music or like ever being, uh, but there's a quote in also that said, mental hell on earth is waking up every morning with expectations and going to bed every night disappointed in yourself. Yeah. Um, but yeah, right. just be kind to myself. I think I spent a lot of time just like thinking I was a shitty drummer and like couldn't be in a good band and like couldn't do music for a living definitely slowed me down yeah um and tara um that was i don't know if i can follow that um <laughs> so i come from a long line of bass players on my dad's side my dad plays guitar um his his two brothers play his uncle plays so i you know had it ingrained in me that you know there was maybe some i don't know if you know nature versus nurture will play into this but it was definitely something that I was supported in but I don't think I ever saw it as something that could make into like a lucrative career and so you know I'm majoring in economics in school you know I'm not I'm not studying this but now I found myself in a spot where I can see myself you know doing this lucratively and I'm so happy about that and I never thought that that would be possible so I think I would tell like 11 year old Tara when I first started playing just like be honest with how good you are and like be confident in your ability to take yourself places because you can do that and you know it's I, I feel like it's happened you know 10 years later and I 11 year old me would definitely think that I'm really cool now <laughs> um which I'm happy I'm happy to think about that um, but yeah, just like, just give yourself credit where credit's due. That's mm -hmm. what I would say. And uh, Curtis and Josh, what's different about you from the first time we spoke a year ago and today? Uh, my hair is significantly longer. <laughs> <laughs> my hair's shorter, so. Yeah, we, we flipped. We traded. Right. Uh, Curtis actually glued his hair onto Josh's head. Yeah, yeah. I would say I... I think I've learned a lot about myself in the last year and the way I interact with people and like what I expect of myself, like what my standards for myself are and my work are and like where I want to dedicate my time, especially in something like music where I could spend hours on hours practicing scales and say, I want to be the best guitarist in the world. But I think my goal now is just to write a song that people want to listen to. Yeah. Yeah. I just want to, I just want people to like me. <laughs> Please like me so about bad. It. I mean, like, you know, uh, I, I feel like it's kind of along the same lines as, as Terry and Wilson. It's just like, you know, I still have it ingrained in me that I am, you know, when people tell me I did a good job or people tell me that they like my music, I have a hard time believing them. Yeah. And, you know, so yeah, if like, you know, back to the whole Pitchfork thing, it's like if Pitchfork gave me a review on something I didn't think was good, I probably would just be like, ah, oh, some, some dead dumbass liked it. He's probably an idiot. I, <laughs> so he doesn't know anything. Why is he even working there? 
Um, you know, I don't know. I wish, I wish I had told myself, I could tell myself that I am worth something and, you know, I'm not worth all the self criticism that I put on myself. Yeah. Um, on that note, where can we find you guys on the internet? <laughs> yeah, shit. Anyway, you can find us on Mom Rock Official. Okay, so number one plug, number one plug, Mom Rock TikTok. We just went up on there. Go find us. You'll be one of the first. What's um, the? Is it at Mom Rock? Is at, at Mom Rock TikTok. M-O-M-R-O-C-K-T-I-K-T-O-K. Um, after that, Instagram, Twitter at Mom Rock Official. Facebook is just Mom Rock. Spotify, any streaming service you may use, we're probably on. Josh's debit card number is four two. (laughs) (laughs) My debit card number is four two nine eight nineteen one oh five two. Okay. Um. Um. Josh, what's your solo project? You got to plug that as well. Oh, Curtis. 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 That's the second time I've gotten confused. Uh, yeah, uh, it's called Snorkeler. <laughs> it's super sick. You can find Snorkeler at all uh, all good Snorkeler locations, uh, Instagram and Facebook, and we're, uh, the music is all, we have an EP called, or I have an EP called You Know What You Want To, and it's on Spelled all. S-N-O-R-K-E-L-E-R. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, there you go. You can find it. Awesome. Um... You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at jwfreeman underscore, or sorry, jwfreeman underscore. You can follow the show on Twitter at the little guys three. Uh, if you're listening somewhere where you can rate, review, please do it. I like the attention. And if you show the show to your mom, I'd really appreciate it. Um, thank you guys for coming on and dealing with all the technical difficulties at the beginning and um, being honest and forthcoming through the conversation. 100%. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us, absolutely. Of course, I love uh, turning other people's art into content. It's one of my favorite things to do. Uh, <laughs> you love turning food into content. <laughs>